Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 133. I am, of course, John Davis, and joining me around our table today, writer-producer Brian Robinson. Hello, John. Our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. Hey, hey. And our writer, Patrick Lucas. Hello there. And we've got a lot to get to today, including a lightning round, a viewer question. Maybe we'll have some rant and raves. But first, um, vehicles that have come upon our lot recently or we've had time to spend behind the wheel. Uh, 2016 Volvo S60. Uh, there's a two of them that we're going to talk about. We'll also hit on the new uh, Toyota RAV4 and uh, a Jaguar XF with a little something special. Let's start with the uh, folks from Sweden, Volvo. In uh, kind of a renaissance, guys, with the uh, XC90 uh, basically impressing us so much and the new uh, 90 sedan having just been unveiled. But this is kind of a retread in a way, uh, the Volvo S60 cross-country. And then there's this the new long wheelbase model, uh, the Inscription. So who wants to start? What do we think? Is Are these cars too long in the tooth to be competitive or what? Uh, I wouldn't say that. They certainly made some good updates. Uh, it's, it's actually two different cars, even though they're both S60s. The uh, cross-country is still built in Europe, and it's got the old 2.5-liter inline-five turbo. The inscription, an, engine, an engine I had many years ago in, in the last Volvo I owned. The inscription, long wheelbase, is actually made in China. And, and that uh, includes the engine, right? Correct. Uh, same engine that's in the XC90 crossover, but just turbocharged here, not supercharged. So, uh, yeah, it's almost like two different vehicles. Yeah, it's, it, here we are. This is, this is the first, the inscription is the first over-the-road made-in-China car sold in the United States. And I don't think a few years ago anybody would have guessed that you know, a Volvo would have take that honor. They oh, I think you predicted it, didn't you? I did, uh-huh. but uh, that was after well, uh, yeah. that was when I heard that uh, as soon as Volvo got purchased by uh, uh, the Chinese, uh, I thought that would happen, and I actually thought though it would probably be the compact. I didn't know it would be a bread and butter car. But this is kind of a special model just that most – they're doing this for the Chinese that like to be chauffeured around, right? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, it's not that much room not back that there. Bigger. Yeah, it's more yeah. just a, a decent amount of room for families, I think. It's, a, it's an interesting car. Any comments? This first time we've seen the cross-country uh, moniker uh, put on a sedan, I mean a la you know, Subaru in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're probably smart to do that. They probably missed out a little bit on the market. Yeah, I think there's uh, certainly some people, probably people who would cross shop maybe the uh, the cross track with Subaru, like you had just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did like the uh, the cross country. I mean, I actually spent most of my time in that one. I didn't get a lot of time in the inscription, but uh, yeah, I dug it. It was after getting out of the XC90, you're almost like jumping back in time now yeah, in I the think old you Volvo. Are, really. yeah. <laughs> so like, I tried not to hold that against it, yeah. but it's still, I mean, comfortable seats. Uh, it's a pleasure to drive. Uh, I couldn't really find too many things I didn't like about it. It's the cross country. You're not going to go any serious, serious off roading. But I mean, if you're off the beaten path and maybe you've got a house up on the hill and you don't necessarily have paved roads up there, it'll certainly get there for you. I, I agree. It was, definitely feels dated getting out of the XC90, but I thought it was a nice, punchy engine. It was, it was actually kind of fun to drive. I, it was a lot more spirited than I thought it was going to be. 
Um, yeah, like the uh, Cross Trek, the Subaru. I mean, I don't see a whole lot of actual off-road utility, but mm-hmm. I mean, it's got you know, it's got a little extra space. It's jacked up a little bit. Um, I, I thought it was cool. I've <laughs> actually taken uh, that particular powertrain with that Haldex all-wheel drive system in earlier models of some amazingly steep and muddy terrain. Frankly, for a non-off-road vehicle, it's pretty darn impressive. And I don't think most people, since most people don't really ever go off-road anyway, probably need anything more. And it's got a decent amount of ground clearance, certainly not up to SUV standards, but not bad. Yeah, I'm sure it's mainly going to be marketed towards, you know, all-weather capabilities more than off-roading, but... I'm not so sure you can even – you can't sell easily a premium sedan in the Northeast anyway that doesn't have uh, all-wheel drive. So yeah, it's no a good way. move for them. And we wish them well. And uh, as uh, we say in the road test, we can't wait for the all-new S60. And that can't be too far down the line, maybe a year or two. Okay, let's move on to uh, another um, – Retread is a bad word, but I'll use it anyway. Toyota RAV4 has been freshened for 2016, and there's a new addition. Enough. They've sort of been left in the dust by some of their competition. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's better in that it offers more um, variety. There's a hybrid now. First time a RAV4 has been a hybrid, which is a pretty big deal. And it's also enticing the way that it's also the most powerful and efficient RAV4 you can get. The mm-hmm. gas models aren't, uh, don't have as, much, have as much horsepower or efficiency. Um, and even, it's actually only like $700, I think, for uh, as a premium mm-hmm. of uh, a similar spec uh, RAV4 gas. So going up to the hybrids, only about 700 bucks, which isn't that big of a deal, I think, um, if you're really eco-minded. Uh, there's also a new SE grade, so if you're want to stay away from hybrid and you want to go sporty that's a completely different trim level now it's uh upgraded suspension i think they tuned some shocks and uh, some springs it looks way more sporty i think it has some specific wheels um and that's across the whole lineup the whole lineup of rav4 looks better now let me stop you in a second uh the rav4 hybrid this mm-hmm. is an all-wheel drive vehicle with an Correct. electric motor in the back. Right? Correct. It's like the high or the, like uh, the, the Highlander. Highlander. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All uh, all hybrids will be it. Uh, it's all-wheel drive with intelligence, as they call it. So there is no, like you said, connection between. There's no mechanical connection between the front wheels and the rear. I wheels. think this is the trend of the future. Yeah. It's uh, it's more efficient. Uh, one of their engineers was talking about in, in many terms that I couldn't even understand. <laughs> uh, but what it really equates to is just more efficiency, and it's just uh, much quicker to react. So yeah, like you said, it probably is is the way of the future now is that a lighter system putting the uh, electric motors on the front and rear as opposed to linking them and having a it's certainly mechanically probably less yeah, complex sure. but I, I imagine it is lighter i mean you're yeah. getting away with a whole lot less metal yeah. hardware. Right, right, right. it's very it's i guess it's very rare now for companies to be going heavier everything's lighter yeah, yeah wiring <laughs> is much lighter than steel metal parts yes mm-hmm. for sure so yeah, it's. Um, I think I was comparing it to. We had that uh, long term, 2013, I think, mm. maybe a year or two ago, mm. and they definitely refined some things. It's quieter inside because it was really loud, the old one, and uh, everything just rides a little bit better. It's more comfortable inside. I think they upgraded a few materials, so it's definitely a more premium feeling Rav4 at this point. I think there's an untapped market for um, 
hybrid all-wheel drive uh, SUVs, especially when you talk about a, a small premium, because even the most efficient ones that we get in here, they have a hard time of doing much more than 26, 27 miles per gallon, and mm-hmm. most usually it's you know three or four miles per gallon below that in normal you know everyday use. Well, yeah, we were just talking about the uh, Crosstrek when we were talking about the Volvos, mm-hmm. um, the Crosstrek hybrid. Right. Is probably the only real competition to the RAV4 hybrid. Correct. So I think RAV4 hybrid will probably sell a lot because there's not many alternatives. Yeah, I mean, gas is under two bucks a gallon. That's certainly going to help it. But, you know, that. <laughs> that may not last forever, That's and any time yeah, that the no the experts say, "Hey, we're going to have cheap gas for four or five years," you can pretty much bet they're going to be wrong at some yeah. point. Well, it just went up ten cents today. Yeah, um, another quick thing mm-hmm. was the uh, uh, they have a new camera. They have like a, a bird's eye available bird's eye camera. So with, it's like a three sixty. Yeah, but it's uh, it takes it to the next level. It's uh, they call it perimeter scan, where you can actually like. Uh, touch the screen and interact with different areas you want to see. It's Does actually, it blow it up? It's pretty wild. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say it blows it up, but it just focuses in on like hmm. one specific area. So if you're worried about your right front end, right. you can point there, and uh, it'll take you to that camera. It's actually pretty, pretty well cool. stitched together. It's, so cool sound it's, effects when you do it. Unfortunately, no. You got to make them yourself. Not a problem. Speaking of sound effects. I think we all agree that the uh, Jaguar XF uh, is a great sounding car, uh, but right. now basically Spank they've it. taken that to uh, the next level. Uh, there's a new Jaguar XF. Brian Robinson, what's changed about it? Um, you'd have to ask Greg. I haven't really spent much time with it. <laughs> yeah, but you you know all about it. Spit it out. You're a smart you know guy. Everything. Come on, you know everything. It's, it's, we all listen. Don't we all listen and stop and listen when he talks? Every the, time he's I have except right now, he's I the authority that question. I go to. Uh, it's just uh, Jaguar's uh, continued efforts to get everything on aluminum chassis and uh, refresh everything and put supercharged V6s in everything. Yeah, trying to make everything like an F-Type. Same front suspension as the F-Type. Inter- integral link rear. Um, like uh, Brian had said, 75% aluminum. Everything's lighter. Everything's stiffer. Um, as far this, as This is an all-new car. It is. Right. It doesn't look it on the outside. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's what that's throws people. What but it's it like, really is. Most people, I've, you know, I haven't seen it in person, uh, except, but the pictures say, is that really new? Yeah, it is all new. Um, they've got uh, all-wheel drive will still be available. Like we had mentioned, you know, those northeastern states are going to want all-wheel drive. It's still here. It's just a chain-driven unit now, so that's new. Uh, new powers. It's not, uh, I'm sorry, new electric power steering, which, believe it or not, actually feels pretty Good. Mm-hmm. I was not expecting it. It's pretty, pretty uh, shockingly good. Um, Has more feel than more most feel of than most of yeah. them. Uh, let's see what else is new. You were impressed, as I recall, with the interior as well. Mm-hmm. Definitely the materials uh, have seen every yeah, bit. The XF. I guess they tried to appeal to more people with the previous one, and I think the interior kind of cut some corners in terms of quality mm-hmm. and things like that. So this one definitely stepped it up. It's more in line with like an XJ. Um, yeah, everything feels good. It looks good. Uh, there's tons of new technology. There's going to be a new infotainment system available next year, I believe, which will, it's a completely digital gauge cluster, which will actually turn into a full screen, kind of like Audi. I like Audi. You can get a yeah. reverse or a backup camera. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, the, or the map. Mm-hmm, yep. So heads-up display and everything that's new. Uh, and there will be a diesel coming the middle of next year. How about all-wheel drive? Yeah, all-wheel drive mm-hmm. is, is all, is all going to be there. So, yeah, I got to say it was, it was pretty impressive. Um, 
Did it feel like a luxury car? Yeah, okay. it's it's definitely there. Uh, like a, in a sporty luxury car. Mm-hmm. It definitely updated its, like I said, they uh, updated its suspension and steering. Feels really dialed in. And I think it's definitely deserving of that new Jaguar kind of moniker now where it's it's sporty, sophisticated, luxurious. It really is all those things. Now, i got to ask Patrick something. Patrick is an Audi owner. Mm. Do you think... A German car owner or Audi owner would ever be swayed to buy a British sedan. Uh, I can't speak for everyone, but I yeah, well, <laughs> speak. For but yourself. I will. You can. Yeah, but you I can will. speak for um, every Audi owner. I was certainly intrigued by them, especially. I guess we probably had one in within the past couple of years, haven't we? Mm-hmm. And sure. Next F. Yeah, and I wanted mm-hmm. to like it, but it just it didn't feel premium, especially on the inside, as we were just talking about. Um, but yeah, I'm very intrigued by it. I like their design. I like the more they put those features from the F-type, those aggressive features, like the lighting and stuff like that, and these sharp angles. If they're working that into other stuff. Um, I have an A4, which is pretty pretty basic looking sedan, but it's got that edge mm-hmm. that I like. And so the the XF I think is getting there, and I'm definitely intrigued. And I think a lot of people should be, especially I mean if they actually drive it. I think they'd be pleasantly surprised. I don't know the typical Audi buyer is lacking in anything to go looking for anything else but i think they would uh they would lean more towards that than you know like a cts or uh, certainly anything american Mm -hmm. staying within the european continent well it's great to see jaguar uh, and volvo for that matter doing such a, a renaissance with their vehicles Okay, now let's move on to our lightning round. Our panelists have two minutes to debate trending automotive topics. When time is up, they're going to hear the bell. We got it today. We actually have the real bell back. Okay, with the uh, Consumer Electronics Show just having wrapped up in Las Vegas, the trend of of automakers is – the trend there is that automakers are increasing their presence. Every year there's more and more automotive news coming out of it. Okay, group, do we see a vehicle's technology ever becoming uh, the primary selling point as capabilities and connectivity move forward? Um, is it always kind of, be, kind of be just a secondary thing to things like horsepower and cargo room and, and styling? Where do we stand? There are some surveys that actually say technology is already there. But yeah. as consumers yourself, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know who comes up with these questions, but uh, I think we're past that point already. Everyone, whenever anybody asks about a car, they want to know what gadgets it has, what features, what it does that other cars don't do. I don't hear anybody anymore really asking about cargo room, horsepower, or tow rating. Do you think that's unless you're buying a truck? Are you speaking for people who are now in their like fifties and sixties? I mean, you think they've actually shifted their no. attention because? Are you talking old, about the new old people who are buying like cars? like me have not shifted it. I don't. What think about that. all these? Styling is still number one, yeah. and then mm-hmm. and then people get into what features does it have. Then they look at what the capabilities. What are. about like all these shootouts that you do with mm-hmm. Cars.com and all that? That technology is, is a big thing for them. Um, for sure, and I think the biggest thing we try to look at is not necessarily the technology that it has, but we grade it on the ease of ease of use of it. I mean, a lot of technology is cool, but if you have a, if it's frustrating every time you get in a car, then it's right. Not I'm cool. saying, but yeah. I'm I'm saying, like, do you think you like, you ever get to a point where like the fact that your phone would seamlessly integrate with your car that would be more of a selling point, or like it, you having that would cause people to overlook some drawbacks of the car like 
oh, it's not very good on gas or it's yeah, have I a think, lot of room. Well, I think we get to we're at that point now. People still buy styling over cargo capacity. They'll buy a vehicle and say, well, you know, it doesn't have as much room as this car, but okay. it sure looks great. Okay. Uh, I think it's the same way with technology. Can I, I want to ask you all a question for opinion. Now, at CES this year, much was said about the fact that, you know, Apple and Google are fast getting their phones fully integrated with cars through CarPlay and, and uh, whatever the other one is. Uh, Android Auto. Android yeah. Auto. And that's one group. A lot of manufacturers are putting those systems in so that you can get basically the same faces on the phone up on the dashboard. And then you have Ford and Toyota being saying, wait a minute, we don't, we'll probably do that, but we want to keep control of it. Who's going to win here? Do you think, in your personal opinion, that the systems that are directly related to the phones that allow total integration will end in the end? Or do you think the car makers are going to somehow be able to keep some of that ownership of uh, capabilities I think themselves? Google and uh, Apple, Apple are, are going to win because look how constantly like manufacturers, when they try to do it themselves, have to change things or address things because – people don't like it or they get something wrong or it's outdated in a year it's not their special yeah, right not yeah. to mention eventually they're going to realize hey why are, you know why are we putting all of our exactly. r&d money into this when we can just uh let them do the r&d and we make it work in our cars any comment i'm in agreement i think yeah, they do I, it better. I, I think it's unanimous when i read all the articles about what was being done it's not that they don't want the systems to work but they don't want them to be uh, overpower everything else mm-hmm. because it gives up a lot of revenue-making opportunities. But uh, I personally agree. I think um, the uh, Apple and Google are going to win. Okay. You heard the bell. That means we've got to move on. And we're going to move on to a viewer question from Dave. <coughs> Excuse me, Dave. Uh, I was all choked up over your question. I was lucky enough to buy a 2015 Dodge Challenger Scat Pack this year, but only plan on driving it once or twice a month during our Midwest winters. I don't even think I drive it that often. Do I need to add a fuel stabilizer during the winter months, even though I drive the car once or twice a month during the winter? Any comments? Better option would be just have me drive it when you're not driving it. (laughs) Ship it out here. We'll take delivery of it. Well, uh, it's probably not necessary, but it wouldn't be a bad idea with all the ethanol and gas these days. You know, fuel stabilizers are cheap enough. You'll probably find it harder to get it out that one or two times a month and maybe end up forgetting about it. So to be safe, probably just throw it in there. Patrick, any experience with fuel stabilizers? I do not, but... This is a relevant question because my Audi sits in the parking lot out there, and I don't drive it very often. Let me, and it's getting very cold. Let me bark in here. Uh, I use stable. I have a car too, two cars that basically sit a lot during the winter. Um, I put stable uh, in them, or I put another product called Seafoam, which I, mm-hmm. I like a lot. Seafoam. And there's also a Direct third product which uh, a lot of performance, like Ferrari owners, like to use, and it's called. It's from Lucas of all people. It's called Lucas Fuel Stabilizer. I think it's a cheap investment. Another thing is, and I, I don't know what kind of gas this car runs on, whether it's premium or regular, but premium, I'm sure. I've always been told that premium has a little bit less alcohol content uh, for an additive than regular. So you should put premium in it also so you've got less of a problem. That's what I've been told. Hmm. But I think. Uh, Dave, you're, it's a cheap way to basically protect the car. You should put the fuel stabilizer in it, run it around a little bit so it mixes, and make sure a little of it runs through the engine before you, you shut it off. But it sounds like you'll be doing that anyway. 
All right. Our last thing that uh, we're going to talk about uh, this uh, particular podcast are rant and raves. We're all back from Christmas and holiday vacation. Anything pop up during that period that uh, you want to talk about? Is everybody just so calm, cool, like and you, collected? You never have anything. You gotta have, uh, you I know, know you're me. just sitting over there steaming. <laughs> you should know me so better. People right? without beards are like, what is it? I don't <laughs> rant or rave about anything. So you John, is there anything that irritates you? Uh, in general, about, uh, or yeah, it has something yeah, to do all these with cars. I got nothing, but maybe next time I'll come up with one. Um, I didn't spend as much time on the highways uh, this holiday season as I have in the past. And actually, I thought that a lot of drivers were driving a little more sanely. Maybe it was just the holiday spirit. But I am still blown away by the, the number of people that will pass you only to turn off in the next, uh, you know, turn off to the left, uh, to the right, rather, in front of you after 500 feet. It's like they can't wait for you to get there, and you're only going to be a few seconds. And they do it consistently, which I consider a really, really <laughs> Not really only that, sorry about that. That was, that was, <laughs> that was you, right? <laughs> Had an emergency of some sort. Not only that, but yeah, they'll like get around you and then not even give you enough space when they get back in front of you. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, that that brings up another one. The the car that will be sort of pacing you from behind on on the interstate, and they eventually ease up and they sit forever in your blind spot, mm-hmm. and then they come around and get in front of you, and then they slow down. Yep, because I got to text somebody. We, uh, <laughs> I was driving with my girlfriend, and we were going up to a toll booth of all places. Yeah. An easy pass. So, like, you know, you can breeze through sure. there at, like, 10 miles an hour. Right as we're, we're probably about 500 feet from the toll booth. We're getting ready to go. And somebody cuts in front of her, goes through, and then as soon as they get through and pay their toll, they just stop. Oh. In the middle of the toll booth. So we're just sitting there, like, apparently you were in a hurry and then decided that you're done. You're done driving right at, right at the toll booth. <laughs> don't rush me. Exactly. <laughs> and I don't know what she's doing, but, like, I... I, maybe I, the holidays have people in a, a I'm not sure people enough people worry about getting hit from the rear. I mean, I guess they're saying, well, you hit me from the rear. It's your fault. Uh, yeah, but the point it. is the amount of f- physical damage that can be done to you from getting hit from the rear. And if you cause it, it's just not worth it no matter what it's you like do. It's like an out of sight, out of mind thing. Uh, or I guess. It's a lack of awareness. Is what a it lack is. of awareness. We need more awareness. Well, I guess uh, that's pretty, pretty – uh, <laughs> Pretty lightweight rant and race, but that's a good way to start the new year. We'll have better stuff. We have plenty of time to build up. Twenty sixteen just started. I'll think about it. All right, I'd like to thank everybody around the table today for participating in our podcast. Our writer producer Brian Robinson, our assistant producer Greg Carlos, our writer Patrick Lucas. By the way, our next podcast will uh, talk about uh, everything that's new at the uh, two thousand sixteen North American International Auto Show in Detroit. So that'll be coming up uh, in a week or so. I want to thank our audio engineer Jim Bigwood, our podcast creator Bob Mixter, and the guy with the bell, podcast producer Patrick Lucas. Mm, beautifully done. I hope you'll join beautifully us done. next time, and I hope you'll catch Motor Week on public television stations all across the country, as well as on the Velocity Cable Network. If you want dates and times, please go to our website, motorweek.org. Until next time, I'm John Davis. For all of us at Motor Week, Happy New Year, and we'll see you down the road. You have been listening to the podcast of Motor Week television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com and by RockAuto.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org and watch MotorWeek.
television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.